I did a show the Houston House of Blues once, and there was a heckler who was hiding behind the stage up in like this weird booth area. An assassin heckler. It was. It was. It was an assassin heckler. That's some. And we couldn't find him. I was like, who is? Like it was like I was trying to talk, and then he'd shout things. And it was like this really weird experience. It was like an arts installation at that point. I know. And Just and like, finally, we found him and we, we killed him. And, uh, and that was that. And I always have that memory of Houston. The day we murdered that heckler. <laughs> Which is, what, by the way, what Trump would do. Right. <laughs> I, I joke about it, but in, in but fact, really. yeah. Well, that's very topical of the movie because obviously I, unbelievable. Movie before Trump it's, was, it's absurd. Yeah. And you know what's amazing? When Gillian shows up, we can talk about this. Gillian said to me, we shot this in August, and she goes, you know, Mike, the Trump thing, it's getting weird right now. She goes, I think he might be a real candidate. And I go, and I was like, I was like, silly actors with their ideas about politics. (laughs) You know, like, of course he won't be a real candidate. Ridiculous. You know, and I, I, you know, I wrote it 18 months before I started writing it. So it's like such a weird thing to occur. What's amazing is it's, and I, and that's what the, the joke in the movie is in, in some ways rooted in is the Trumpification of New York and, and him being glorified as this great businessman. It's like, why is he being glorified? He's everything New Yorkers can't stand. Right. He's everything that we think is terrible about destroying mom and pop businesses and putting in cor- corporate storefronts. And somehow we think that that's a good thing. Or some of us do, I guess. I think this is for you. But, oh, okay. Um, I was just saying that you had predicted the Trump thing in oh. prep. Yes. <laughs> you know, it, it was so, it was so funny. Gil, yeah, Gil was just like, Mike, I think this might be real. And I was like, no, there's no way it's real. I really did. Th- I mean, I think we all thought it's like, oh, this is a publicity stunt or whatever. And this yeah. will sell some books for him. And I think he thought that. I really think that he, I think like he was like, this will sell some books. This will get my name out there. And, you know, I'm my Q ratings lowering or whatever. And and then it became real, and then he's like, oh, it's real. <laughs> it was like, oh, actually, it's real. Since you were right about that, do you have any predictions for the election? Yeah, oh, you know exactly. who's going to win? Can we? No, I, I looked at Nate Silver, so I don't know. I don't know. Interestingly, <laughs> <laughs> right, though. Yeah. I think, like, in your, both your histories really in comedy, um, what set it apart for me? I'm going to talk like I'm an expert in comedy. So you, I mean, you got to treat me as such. <laughs> but, uh, Those are the only people we deal with. <laughs> the great thing in, your, in both comedy that I've seen is that, that that line that you walk between like sadness and funny and like it's Thanks. like sincerity and just ridiculous. Like, I guess is that something that you have to? Is that like a honed thing that you think about every day, or is that something in your skill set, your talent that's just kind of instinctual now? I, I think I arrived at that over a series of many, many years. You know, it, it's like Ira Glass, one of our producers, has this, there's this video where he talks about online um, 
from like years ago. Have you ever seen this video where he mm -hmm. talks about creativity? No. And someone asked him about sort of how he became to to arrive at where he be, arrived, and and he says um, he says it starts with um, just having good taste, mm. <laughs> and and um, that's the first step is liking things that are interesting and unique and the second step is trying to make something like that and then essentially failing at it for 10 years and then hopefully arriving at it and i feel like sometimes what i do is i mean i feel like sometimes what i do is i take inventory of like what did i love as a kid what was the first thing i was drawn to you know, when I saw movies and, and um, you know, I feel like, I think for me, like when I, you know, I loved just movies as a kid, like Spielberg movies, obviously. And then like, and then when I was in college and I was studying screenwriting, I saw like all the Woody Allen films and all the James L. Brooks films. And I was just like, oh my God, this exists. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't believe, like, this is me, this is who I am, you know, and, and, then you, and then you start making things and you fail, and you start making more things and you fail, and along the way, you figure out who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, you, I, for, I always say, like, you try, you know, for, you, you try to be Woody Allen, and then you realize you're not, you're Mike Birbiglia. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You try to be Gillian, you try to be whoever you were admiring, and then you realize, no, you're Gillian Jacobs. Like, it's, it's, it's like, and when I was in high school, it was like, I wanted to be Stephen Wright. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm this other person. <laughs> but it takes a long time, I think. I remember seeing the movie Nashville in high school, and it blew my mind. I you bet. Know, yeah, I, I, I can think of a lot of those moments. Like, in comedy in particular, I remember seeing the British season, the British office. Oh, my God, yeah. And um, that was like, oh, it doesn't just have to be joke, 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 joke. Yeah. There can be real painful human moments that you don't cut away from, that you don't shy away from. And so that, like, shows, like, the comeback and... Um, Getting On, which was just finished on HBO. Those are the types of shows that I was really drawn to, and I think that, that having you can have incredibly silly, silly moments <laughs> and then have incredibly heartfelt moments in the same work, and so that's the stuff I love as well. It's, um, it's kind of interesting because there's also the uh, Del Close documentary. I know, and, which I love. You're watching oh. the movie, and boom, he's in the beginning and in the end. Yeah. And... Um, well, obviously, that's a little bit of synchronicity. Uh, it's outrageous, right? It's outrageous. <laughs> My God. It, no, it is, though. And, and there's this weird, wild synchronicity, too, which is my first improv coach in college was Liz Allen, who came from the Improv Olympic in Chicago. We hired to come and do a workshop with us. And... Um, and so years later, when I was improvising with Tammy Sager, I was like, um, she was friends with Liz Allen. Like, are you friends with Liz Allen? She taught me how to do improv. Now she lives in Las Vegas, blah, 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 teaches improv there. So I hired her to come in and teach us improv for two weeks uh, leading into the movie. And um, the first time she met Gillian, they realized that they were both from Pittsburgh. What part? Such and such neighborhood. What street? Same street. 
What house? Same, Same house. house. <laughs> Same bedroom. Yeah. Her parents sold the house to my parents, we realized, wow. within like five minutes of meeting each other. But yeah, also, that's Tammy Sager. No, no that's Liz, Liz Allen. Allen. Liz Allen. But, but to double back on it, even more synchronicity, totally randomly, uh, Liz was sick in the last couple of years, and her friends showed her Mike's stand-up special and his pieces from This American Life, and that was hugely important to her when she was sick. So she didn't remember. She was in radiation. That's what she was listening to, not knowing that she had taught me. Yeah. Wow. So she was a fan of Mike's, and then he said, you taught me improv. (laughs) So it was like a really... I think that also set the tone for the sweetness of the film as well, those kind of like real human moments, and, um, and I think you can feel that in the group dynamic of the movie. I get emotional sometimes when I when I watch the film because the themes of the film have a lot to do with how improv is a moment in time that has never happened before, will never happen again. I feel that way about the making of the movie with these five people. We had these two, was basically two months together where we were so close and we spent every sort of waking minute together and trusted each other so much. And we'll always be friends, but like we live in different cities and you know, like we'll move on to different projects and and it'll never happen again, even though we'll always be friends. Yeah. Summer camp's over. <laughs> What's that? that? Summer camp's over. And we summer shot it during the over. summer, too, yeah, so did, it yeah. really added to that feeling, yeah. You were at that um, last party for him. I, no, oh, no, okay. I wasn't. No, I, I was actually quoting something from that documentary okay. this okay. morning. When There's this really powerful thing in the Del Close documentary where he says, I, I don't know what the exact quote is, you could probably dig it up if you wanted it, but he says... I realized it was on his deathbed. He's in the hospital and they're filming. Bill Murray's there and they're having a party for him. I mean, sweet. And which I think is a beautiful idea, having a party for someone who's dying. And he goes, I just realized after all these years that you can have a great life for pretty cheap. Aww. Isn't that amazing? It is. And do you, do you guys, oh, you're fine. I want to make sure, do you guys have, are you not getting enough questions? Yeah, Okay. I'd rather you okay. guys talk than like, us talk. So. Okay, you sure? <laughs> I am. Um, don't want to be a hog, but I was, now that you guys have reached like relative success in, in the arena of entertainment, do you still battle with kind of the theme of that movie of like the compromising of like art and what you want to do and happiness and the other side of it where you have to have business meetings? Well, it's all fleeting. I mean, I, I was saying this to Gil yesterday, like I, Jen and my wife and I talk about how, often how like this could all go away tomorrow. And that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. entertainment isn't the government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, it's not like you fill yeah. out paperwork and your career is all set. Like it, it, but the, the key thing is you keep working and you try to keep being creative and, you, and do your best. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, this, the challenges shift slightly. You know, when I first graduated from college, it was about will I ever work? And then <laughs> will ever, every job be my last? And so that anxiety has gone away from me that I, I know I will work. But, um, it, yeah, it shifts. Like, am I, am I able to be considered for the parts that I want? You know, can I be in the, in the conversation for projects that I want to be involved in? And um, I also think sometimes being an actor is a very passive role. You're just being, waiting to be given permission to, to do your work. Um, so trying to figure out ways in which that I can take on different roles so I can feel like I'm generating things and not just waiting 
all the time. So I directed a short documentary and trying to do other things like that. So I feel like I'm, you know, have active things that I can generate myself. One, one thing, one, I'm sorry, one thing quick about Gillian too is Lena recommended Gillian to be considered for this when she read the script, Lena Dunham, mm-hmm. and who's a mutual friend of ours. And I watched, yeah, and in yeah. the movie, and I, I watched all of Gillian's stuff when she said that. And I was like, but she's not, she never does this thing that this character Sam does. And um, Lena said something that was entirely true and prophetic. She goes, Gillian can do anything. It's <laughs> really sweet. Thank you, Lena. I just had a Thank question you, about a scene in the movie. Uh, so when Jack borrows from the comedy troupe in, into Weekend Live and incorporates that, I was kind of surprised that the reaction was so aghast and disgusted <laughs> doing that. Like, it, isn't the point of comedy to kind of borrow from life experience? Aghast like, from so the audience from, in the from, room from, or from the, 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 the commune. The commune were so yeah, yeah. angry, and they're like, that's, that's ours, he can't steal mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you just kind of explain the, the anger and maybe even what copyright and infringement could be when you are in an improv group? Well, there isn't copyright, you know what I mean? Com- that's what's interesting about comedy is, you know, you look at, like, some famous incidents of, like, like there was a Mark Maron episode where he interviewed Carlos Mencia and confronted him about stolen jokes that this person did and this person did and blah blah blah. And, you know, there's no legal action for it. It's it, you know it's it, it's it's kind of comedy does have a, a certain bit of public domain to it. Um, but then by the same token, there's a bit of a code among comedians, which is like you know like there's that scene I wrote where where Bill Chris Gethard's character comes in naked and. Um, I borrowed that from my friend Mike O'Brien who wrote for SNL and was a cast member on SNL and does those shorts. He and I, he improvises on the show in New York sometimes and I had heard that story where he walked backstage naked before a show and acted like it was no big deal and was like, yeah, this is what we're doing, right guys? You know, and from Chicago, his Chicago days. And I put in the script and then I, I, I thought it was so fun, but then I called him and I was like, Hey, Mike, this is a really weird question, but I put this thing in where you're na- Bill's naked and blah, blah, blah. Is that okay with you? Because I, I know that it's based on inspiration of you, and it's different in this way, but it's similar in this way. And he goes, thank you so much for calling me. Absolutely. He goes, no one ever calls. <laughs> he goes, people just take things and they don't call, and it's yeah. happened to me so many times, and it means so much. He goes... He goes, I don't own being naked. <laughs> but I also think in the context of the film, that was an improvised scene that they as a group did. That wasn't his alone. Mm-hmm. And you see he's backed into a corner and he's desperate. So he does something that he knows on some level is not the right thing to do. At the very least, he should have called the group and sure. said, I'm, I'm desperate, guys. Can I do this sketch? So, you know, it would be one thing if somebody has stand-up material that they've that they've honed and then they do it on a weekend live. That's theirs. But this was group mind. This was these people coming together. And um, and I also think, you know, there's some degree of bitterness on their part that he got the show and they didn't. But of course. that's not, that I would say that that is very clearly not the right thing to do in that situation, to take a sketch word for word and then put it on. Absolutely. Right? Am I speaking out of turn on I that? I think you're absolutely right, yeah. yeah. You got a Fitbit. How many steps did you go on your world premiere day? Oh, today I'm at 3,500, and then in Austin I've been doing about 14,000 a day. 
just from like walking around town. Cool. This is this is valuable information. <laughs> the people need to know. The, title of the, article, the people need to know. It's like a it's like an Angelina Jolie type Brad Pitt type question. Uh, really? Except, except to Mike Birbiglia, <laughs> which is much more boring. <laughs> is, there, is there a hole in the hotel wall? <laughs> how are, how's like, your chateau like, in France? Yeah, exactly. They were just going to ask you all the questions that you would ask them. It, it, it's, it's funny because it's like a, it, Angelina and Brad get chased around with their babies and stuff with cameras. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is my baby. <laughs> like I bring my 10-month-old around everywhere. Everyone's like, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> we're not interested. She's beautiful. People she think is, she's cute. She is beautiful. Thank you, guys. Thank you so, Thank you so, so much. much, you guys. Thank you. Yeah, you. Nice. Old school. The best. I'm really into pens right now, so that's like right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> I'm sure that all the questions are going to be about yeah. the pens yeah. now. Yeah. No. No. Well, I guess... My first question is for you, since you are a newcomer to improv, mm -hmm. just how did your experience change from knowing nothing about improv to by the end of the film um, doing a whole movie about it? Um, I mean, I feel like I really did, a, like, I learned, I, we had to learn in a short amount of time, kind of, but it, it, uh, I feel like I've carried it with me, and as, like, months have gone by, like, I feel even more, like, even though I don't practice it, been wanting to practice it. Okay, let me start again. <laughs> Basically, I feel like it's kind of sunk in over time, and now I feel like even just more like um, I, I can see it from a further. Okay. <laughs> a bigger perspective. Yes, and I understand it more. And it's like sometimes I'm the type of person that things really need to like sit, and then I get it. I don't. I'm not somebody that understands it right away. But um, so I think now I'm, I really understand it a lot more. And it's also made me go, oh, I really do want to get on an improv team. I'm just hardly in in uh, in my town, and it's hard to to do it. But I really want to. Um, but I, yeah, I learned a lot from these guys because they're kind of the best. They not kind of. They are the best. The best improvisers in the world. World. and then Gil and I were new <laughs> so um, yeah we had the best teachers all around and having Liz Allen come in so yeah it was like having amazing instructors all everybody supporting us does that does that make sense I just rambled sorry <laughs> well they mentioned all their synchronicity with the project and stuff I just wonder if any of that like slipped over into your arena or was that more traditional like here's a project and are you interested <laughs> Well, there was that, <laughs> where I was like, I went, when Mike had uh, called me and said, would you like to read the script, I'd like to talk to you about it, I was like, oh yeah, I would love to. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was, I, I'm trying to think, like, there was nothing as crazy as like, oh, we grew up in the same bedroom. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be really weird three times. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, where'd you grow up? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, what would you, do you have some? I have a bunch. Yeah, go yeah. for it. Well... Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just start with the Liz Allen synchronicity. Oh, yeah. So even just how this happened, that I got involved with it, was happened through Chris Gethard, and he recommended me to Mike, and Mike I'm an enormous fan of. Um, so Liz Allen and Lily Francis and I were three friends, and we've been friends from Chicago Improv for 20 years. And um, six years ago, uh, I'd lost touch with Liz. Um, Sorry, this is going to be a bit of a story. <laughs> We're going to just flip that over. Yeah. Okay. So, six years, Liz got very sick. She had uh, cancer. Um, 
a number of years ago, and I'd lost touch with her, and then <laughs> I had a weird gambling problem for like a month and a half. Well, where I was living in LA and we'd gone to Vegas and all of a sudden this like little inchworm in my brain was like we gotta go back and play craps we gotta go back and play craps we gotta go back and play craps and I, and, uh, and I went back for 18 hours and I won like $1,800 and then I was like I got it oh, now no I got to go back oh yeah 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 I didn't know you won that much money oh yeah no awesome. that, that's the problem with gambling is yeah. if you win a bunch and so then I was like okay well now I have to go back for five days and it was literally like an inchworm in my brain because it was like not even about the money it was just about the <laughs> and so I went back for four days and I was like, that's a long time to be in Vegas by myself. Because it started with, like, friends. And so I was like, oh, Liz lives in Vegas, and I haven't talked to her for, in years. I'm going to be in touch with Liz, because then it's not the craziest thing. And I got in touch with Liz, and I, what happens in Vegas is that you, then you lose all the money that you win. And I did. But the real miracle is that inchworm left my brain, and gambling got boring again. And... But instead what happened was Liz, who had left Chicago, and she was like an improv guru in Chicago. Um, and she had been sick and this so fatigued and just wiped out. And I had just done this book called The Artist's Way by Julie Cameron. It's a book that's been very important to me in my life for 15 years, and I had just redone a class, and I was like, we're going to, I'm buying you this book. So I went and we bought the book, and I was like, we're going to do a weekly check-in. And our friend Lily, who they had been in touch. So we've been doing a weekly check-in for a number of years. That's going on. And through that weekly check-in, a lot of stuff has happened in my life, including coming back to New York. I started doing this show with Mike. I said, if you guys know Mike Berbiglia? And they're like, do we know Mike Berbiglia? When Liz got really sick, Lily went to Vegas. Lily played Liz. She was like, you have to hear this Mike Berbiglia story where he plays a fundraiser, cancer fundraiser. And she watched all the specials. It got her through the hardest point of her cancer treatment. This means so much. I go to Mike. I say, Mike, this is so sweet. I talked to my friends from Chicago, Lily Francis, Liz Allen. He goes, Liz Allen? She changed my life when I was 18. She came to Georgetown. She didn't remember that. Yeah. And then he reached out to her. They, they reconnected. She came out and her life, her health has gotten so much better. Her being able to travel out and to lead these workshops and like she, she made us a group because it wasn't when she came, you know, we had a couple of improv teachers come and just like teach basics of improv, which felt a little bit more like, like, this is what you do on stage. And what Mike needed was, I want this to feel like a group that's been together 11 years. And that's what she does and she just came in and was just like she would like yeah. do this magical thing where she would be like and you relax and you don't do that yeah and just like and we just relaxed and it just helped Mike stop being a director mm-hmm. and it just stopped me from being like the one with experience you know and we just it was it brought us to the beauty of group mind again and the, I mean, and I feel like that spirit was around the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And you, you just said the word spirit, but it was it was very spiritual. It was like a it was like something happened. We were like, oh, and the way Liz led it, led us to that was it was just like I've never experienced something like that. Like that, it was sort of it was very quick. She yeah. showed up, and it was like, yeah. Fantastic. Was um, was shooting the improv scenes the most difficult part of the film? I assume that they were all shot together just Yeah, there's over a couple of days, right? Yeah, I would I would imagine I mean it's, I think that question for you know for our DP I feel like that was probably a challenge 
for those guys just because that but for us it was I don't so feel... originally shot yeah our dp is phenomenal and our cameraman amazing he was like a seventh member of the troupe so there's a steady cam up on stage with us and and our sound guy and it yeah. never felt like i never was aware of them i was just gonna say the same like you know it was like a dance and they were but you you could maybe you're unconsciously feeling yeah, you were there just like but you know. didn't know it was it was so cool to experience so like oh right there was a camera on the stage too and a sound guy with the boom but like you didn't it didn't feel like it and it was yeah and liz came out a second time he brought liz out it was so magical that first time that she came out a second time just to be there for us for those improv and just to like relax us you know because it is it, it wasn't hard in terms of like you know there were other moments like that fight scene was really hard but she just relaxed us and just reminded us of it doesn't, the audience, it's not that they don't matter, it's that they're another friend. Right. And that we're, and it was just beautiful, mm-hmm. actually. It was really cool. Yeah, she really did become, Liz became our extra, the extra member of the. Yeah, she was our coach. Not extra, that sounds bad. Like no. Extra member, additional member, that's yeah, the word. She was yeah. like a touchstone for us mm-hmm. that we could just like plug into. A couple of you guys mentioned group, the group mind concept, yeah. uh, and I know in some other mediums that's not always a positive connotation. Can you guys kind of elaborate on what it means for improv and, and why it is so important to be a part of that group mind? It's true. You're right, because group mind, like when you think of a boardroom trying to decide like what you to name what? a toothpaste, it's probably not going to be the best name. <laughs> I think there's a difference. I feel like I keep talking over you, but I just read this book called Mindset, and they talk about group think. And group think, I think, is the disaster, mm. where everybody is too scared of saying no to somebody. Right. Like, uh, they compared it to JFK and the Cuban Missile Crisis, and nobody being like, this is not a good idea. Mm. I think group mind is something totally different than group think, where it's, you're honoring everybody's ideas and seeing where it can go. And the editing comes later. The editing definitely comes, but it comes later. No, no, that's, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, cool. I couldn't have added well it anymore. <laughs> I talked to, to them a little bit about, like, to me, my personal opinion, since yeah. I'm an expert, like, the greatest comedy, like, walks that line between tragedy and, like, hilarity at the same time. Like, is that something you have to consciously hone, or is that something that you just feel at this yeah. point? It's like a skill set that you know when you're going too far into tragedy or when you need to come back to be a little funny or vice versa. I'm just thinking about our show the other night. Yeah. Because we did, we did a show here two nights ago at the hideout. And it wasn't, it was a real, it got real. I kept crying yeah. during the show. And, <laughs> and Straight it was, up crying. It was such an amazing, I mean, Tammy was so awesome to share what, what, was, what she was going through. And, and, and I feel like the audience was just all, all there. And so when it was funny, it was like, it was, it, and then when it was sad, it was, there was, you could just feel it. And it was, it was a really special show. I feel like it was one of the more uh, amazing shows we've done together. What was so cool about it, though, is it was only that thing about that tone and that line that you walk is I wasn't aware of it. You know what I mean? Like, you just, I think you just try to be honest and then trust. And the group is what made it funny, and the group was what made it okay. So, like, I was just saying, there's definitely, I've seen shows where somebody could be that honest and awesome on stage, and if the team isn't, like, if they're in the back line, like, oh boy, oh boy, what's going to happen now? And instead, 
they made amazing scenes and like and then the audience it's relaxed and I think it's the same thing as seeing a great movie where you just aren't worried that the movie is not gonna where you can just relax and enjoy it and Mike is such an amazing director that I didn't feel like we had to worry about it yeah I felt like I, it would be taken care of I also I don't know if you feel this way but like seeing it last night I, I realized just how much how sad it can be like because we, when we were doing it there were definitely sad scenes and sad moments but there was I mean there was so much joy making this movie so like seeing it together as a whole piece I was like oh this is such a real real feeling I mean I, I don't want to say sad I don't want to like in the way that it is really still very funny yeah. emotional. emotional yeah sad is yeah, it's emotional. Think, yeah to me like maybe the best example in the movie is the when they're driving back from visiting his father and that the, the whole thank you yeah. thing where where Mike does it and it's like almost like a just silence goes over the van like, like can we do we, this yeah, yeah. Okay. But and then and just turns hilarious yeah. and finally the, the one who should be grieving joins yeah. in it's hilarious all there's that great shot of, of Chris at, at the window and he's, he's just looking out the window and you just see him like he's like okay because he's with his friends and I, yeah. I loved that but I, I do think also when that there is a tragedy happening there's always somehow things turn into the funniest things in those moments mm-hmm. you know um, not now. This is making it sound like this movie has a crazy. Like, like it is, it's not that tragic. No, <laughs> but no, it's, it's, a, it's real. I think. That's yeah, it's real. real. It's, yeah, and I and I think a lot of people can relate to right. to it. You know. How do you guys relate to your the characters you played in the movie? Uh, oh man. <sighs> yeah, I don't know a lot. Too I, much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think because there's always that fear of like. I, like, I always feel so lucky that I get to do what I do, but there's always this fear of this could uh, go away in a second, you know? And so it's like to, you know, ha- watch that happen with this group and like you want to hang on to the, the good times, you know? And, and yeah, how long can you hang on, I guess? You know, we talk a lot about how Gil and Kate had never improvised before, but I'd never really been in a movie before. I've had like tiny parts and things, and so there was a lot you know for what? me. That's of, so like, true. We, we haven't really. I mean, that's then no, no, that's what this should be about. <laughs> but no, I mean, but, it's, you're so amazing. Oh. It's so good. Like I didn't really think about it. But that to me was like the precious thing. And uh, see, I'm in a very cry place. But like, there's a scene, and it's not about this at all. But there's a scene where we have. Two minutes. I might have you start to pack she up. She has, she has to go to bed. Yeah. Earlier flight. So. Two minute warning for you to continue, but I would head out. Oh, okay. I want to say bye. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, what were you saying? I, I just interrupted. It was you just the scene when the big shots come in the audience, and I just shut down. And it is not about me at all. But when we just were doing that scene over and over again, I just. And that came from a very true place because I performed at Second City and we would have big people come through a lot. And I, all my head would tell me is like, they don't want you. And so I just went to that headspace again. And then I was backstage and I was like, I know. And you gave me the best advice ever. And I was like, because part of me is like, no, this is good. I'm really acting because I'm really feeling it. But I also wasn't shaking it off. Yeah, you were having trouble letting it go. Yeah, because yeah. then I was like, Mike hates me. He doesn't want me in this movie. Like, it just spread all yeah, over yeah, me. Yeah. And she gave me just really good, like, acting advice, which I did not have. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it was I'm glad it helped, though. <laughs> it was about giving myself a physical gesture to, like, then That's be right. like, and now shake it off. That's oh, not yeah, real. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that. <laughs> good good job. Yeah, yeah. I, I should use that myself sometimes. <laughs> the movie's obviously scripted, but were there any moments that were born out of improvisation? Something that was really cool that happened in those two weeks that we practiced improvising was we also were blocking those scenes mm-hmm. and changing those scenes. And so 
there was it was coming from actory improv, but yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of that was like that big fight scene got changed a lot and figuring out that blocking and all that and even what we said. Was that shot at an actual restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And 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 the street scene, we we rehearsed that a bunch. Yeah. And I don't... It's hard for me to know, like, what spoiler stuff is there, but I think the thing that they used, contact, was made. Like, you... (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah. It was true. Yeah, don't put this in there, but, like... like, does not it's have stage awesome. combat training. <laughs> <laughs> got to at the moment. Yeah. Because he goes back to being angry this time and he goes out yeah. to the street, but he did stop and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Which is yeah. so great because I, I think that's really what you would do if you, yeah. Yeah. If you hit a friend. Yeah, if you've never. Yeah. And, and yeah, you feel that rage until that moment of like, oh, I just did I, it. I, I went too far. I went too far. But I'm also so mad yeah. still. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. And I love that that was the take that they and used. It, yeah, yeah. And it does, that, like, make anger comedy. Yeah, like, serious, exactly, funny. exactly. It's great. And it's because it's honest. I think mm-hmm. any time that you're just being really honest, yeah. it's going to walk that line for you. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. I should, I, I feel bad well, no, to go, leave everyone. Go, go catch your flight. I should say bye to these guys, but I don't want to interrupt. It's such an awkward thing. You have, okay. you they're they're taping it. It's okay. okay. It's all right. Okay. Thank you for the time. Yeah, so thank you guys. Safe travel, sweetie. Oh, man. I love you so much. <laughs> this was the best weekend. It was so yeah. much fun. I'll, I'll call you when I'm back. I'll call you before that. Yeah. I, I'll call all of you guys. Yeah, let me know when you land. Okay. What do you have coming up next? I'm writing. I'm writing on girls mm-hmm. um, this last season. Yeah. So good. Um, so I'm, I'm in LA right now writing on that and then we're going to go back to New York and do some more writing yeah I wrote on the season that's airing right now um, so doing that and um, I've worked on Inside Amy Schumer so I've, I've been really lucky to be able to do that stuff in New York um, and just working on a movie idea and some other stuff but it's it's back to a bunch of writing but things always go in cycles and it seems now because of Amy Schumer it's it's popular to have like a female yeah. but a raunchy yeah. not like Tina Fey Amy Fuller raunchy already comedy but a different yeah. it's like a new uh, yeah. new model um, yeah and it's it's so all of those women that you just named are so smart mm-hmm. and it's so great that it's like okay but my smart is this way and it's just gotten wider what you can joke with and like like the gender shit that Amy does is so like it's all over the spectrum and same with Lena and obviously Tina and Amy too but it just yeah the field feels wide open right now totally you know what it is it's that women could always do that it's sort of the same thing with books where they're like girls would read books where the boys are the heroes but boys won't read books where the girls are and it's like they decided that and then it's like no, it turns out that's not true at all. And you know why it's not true? Because girls will read stuff where boys are the heroes. So it is yeah. totally possible, which is that we'd read that because those were the good books. Or you'd see the stuff where the guys are funny because, you know, we just want to see funny stuff. And I think, like, I think every entertainment is just changing like that with diversity and everything. Where it's like, oh, Empire, everybody watches Empire because it's awesome. And also, we want to see those stories. Like, there's other voices out there? <laughs> a million times. And I'm developing a show right now with, um, it's through Amy Poehler's production company that she's producing, but with this Indian lesbian director, Nisha Ganatra. And it is interesting. Like, she initially wrote something, and it was... It was like, no, 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 make this more your experience. Because, like, that's what we want. I, you, 
You want that experience. Like, we just want to hear more experiences. Can I ask one girls related question? Yeah, totally. I just, like, since you said this was your first season writing. Oh, the second. Second, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you weren't there from the very beginning. No. So I wonder what it's like to come into a writing room when there's the, the ensemble is so strong and they have such voices already yeah. established. What's it like to come in as a new writer for that? I love it. Yeah. I love it because I was such a fan of girls. And that was a show that I watched at the beginning. And I was like, oh, you're allowed to do that. Right. I didn't know you were allowed to do that. I didn't know that you could... That, that sex scene in the beginning of that first episode yeah. of Girls, I was like, oh, I didn't know that anybody would care or allow it, you know? Let alone honor it, let alone explore the dark, funny stuff. So I was such a huge fan of Girls that um, I was actually in New York just to be there for a hiatus. I was writing for How I Met Your Mother at the time, and then we had a hiatus between seasons, and I was like... I worked at HBO before I was on the show called Bored to Death. And Fantastic. I know, right? They cancel it on that hang like that. Yeah. I know, I'll but I think there might be a movie. There's okay. been a lot of talk because those guys all love each other, and Jonathan Ames is fantastic. So I had a little bit of an HBO connection, and I was like, can you please tell them that I will work on girls for free for a few weeks? And they were like, uh-huh, sure. And they're like, ah, is that going to happen? And so then when I met with them for the show, and I was like, Oh, you, I'm the crazy person who volunteered to work for free. And they're like, oh, we never heard that. My agent was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to be like, because I'm also sure a million people reached out. So part of it is to come into that room as a fan. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. And it's a, really a luxury to come into a show where it's established. You know, because I also came into 30 Rock second season. And first season, I was like, you guys are amazing. It's, I think it gives you such a luxury because it gives you... Like a blueprint? Is yeah. It? Yeah, yeah. Makes totally. In, in a situation like that, do all the writers write together? Mm-hmm. Or you're just like in a... You're in a room. The same room. And just, yeah. You, you is be- there one person that's actually doing the transcription? Yeah, there's it- a writer's assistant. The writer's assistant so crazy important. So crazy important because they're writing down everything mm-hmm. that's being said. And so then, you know, in Girls, obviously, Lena is such a huge part of the writing, especially this last season. Like, she's... But we talk stuff out in the room and throw out stuff and, you know, it's just personal stories, too, will lead so much to, like, what would a person do? Well, let me tell you, from my life, this is what I'm thinking. How can we translate into that? And, yeah, you take all those notes. Like, you get assigned an episode and you get, you take all those, the writer's assistant will send you everything that was said. So you're also reading a bunch of, like, stuff that's like, oh, that was just us being, and you... That's part of it, is just figuring out, like, oh, I would definitely want that line, and, yeah, you figure it out together. That's where improv is so important, is how to work in a group, you know? Because I've also been in rooms where it's like, you don't want to say something, because somebody would be like, oh, it's dumb, we can't, or, you know, or just, it's such a leap of faith to laugh at something. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation where somebody's like, no, that's not, what you said isn't funny. Yeah. Yeah. In the best sense of the word. But it's also so much the people who create the show and run the show, they have to create a creative environment where you feel safe to say anything. You know, and I've been really fortunate that almost everything I've worked on has been like that. Then you're talking about the kind of best comedy walks that line. That's what, you know, but not all comedy does. And a lot of great comedy doesn't. 
you know? There's a lot of, Tina in Bossy Pants does a, such a great job of describing like her Harvard guys and her Second City guys and her dirt bags. Like that's how she characterizes like a perfect writer's room. And she's like the, she always called the, like the lampoon, I think she says pirates and robots, like, like, like that. And pirates and robots are super funny. But I'm also like fascinated by like, you know, bad sex, like, and that's super personal. And, you know, and then it, I, it's good to have that mix, but it's most important to have a place where it feels safe to say all of it. You know what I mean? So you have the emo people but who will also laugh about pirates and robots. And you have the pirates and robots people who are human enough to, you know, not shut you down completely. And that was part of the movie, too, where you kept saying, I thought... It was, I mean, bigger theme, but the I got your back, I got your back, that whole thing. I know, right? Like, like how that fit into the larger scope of the movie. I thought that was pretty fantastic. Yeah. Is, is, is that something, I mean, I, mean, I assume, since I've never done improv, yeah. shockingly, but uh, like, is that something that it's, a troop usually does? And, yeah, and then also there's a point that comes where you're like, I'm not saying that again. Or, right. Oh, this feels so <laughs> like stupid. Yeah, know. where it's just like, we don't have it. You know what yeah, I mean? Or yeah. like, the Scott adds it, who's a phenomenal improviser where you bet we see him backstage and go false energy false energy false energy <laughs> and even though he's saying false energy he's giving it energy right, and you yeah, sort yeah. of get pumped up anyway so it's hard to be like that self-aware and still say i got your back but there's that's where liz was so sorry that's where liz was so important she'd be like uh-uh no like being cool here yeah and that's it's amazing. hard it's scary yeah. to be and i think that's also where the trust in mike and the editors comes in where you're like all right i'm just gonna I'm gonna look. I might look like a total asshole. And I'm just trusting you, trust, you to yeah, not make trust. me look like that's that. Incredible. Yeah, that's the beauty of improv. Is like again, Kate keeps calling that like I did such an amazing job. Hundred percent. It was because of what they did with it. Hundred percent. And that's also. Oh, sorry. No, no, keep talking. Yeah, just tell she kicks okay, us out. Okay. <laughs> but like in the in the improv scenes, um, and I'm sure Mike mentioned this too, that there's a part where. The, Gillian delivers a killer line and the best part is the joy on Chris Gethard's face like because he's like oh he sees her about to have that and I, as an audience member I love watching the team watch each other you know what I mean that's part of it and that's why I think it's so much that you love each other it matters Five minutes, guys. Why am I Japanese? Remember when you said, please tell me when I'm racist? Yeah. It's it, one of those times. Thanks, thank you. Time. Welcome the commune. Improv in art form unto itself. The most important thing is don't think. You don't think, you don't memorize. You don't get paid. So true, but isn't that kind of fun, too? Are you working right now? Are you applying for anything? Uh, unemployment? Hummus and chips? Hummus and chips? You pick one person, you say the first thing about them that comes to your mind. Connor, go! You're fat. You're dangerous. You're a little slow. Uh, this game hurts my feelings. It's the great paradox of Weekend Live is was it good ever? You should well. not have said that in your audition. I think that's <laughs> I called you Finn. He's bringing producers from Weekend Live. Hey, Jack, don't pull some showboat. What are you talking about? You know you always do that. Anyone from the industry shows up, you turn into a one-man audition tape. It's a new program we're working on right now called, uh, Cabs for dads, but my, my critics like to call it Obamacare. Okay, we will uh, we will be there. Hey, um, we're auditioning on Thursday for Weekend Live. Congrats, man. 
Thanks, man. No, I auditioned for the show in 2003. I was inches. inches. I was like inches. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. I got to focus on me. I I'm going to get the job at Weekend Live. So I was thinking about doing General Rollins as an umpire. Okay. Girl. <laughs> yeah. My name is Liam Neeson. If it's money that you're looking for, I've got none. I've used all of it. The last six times my daughter was taken. I don't accept that as improv. <laughs> I like my life how it is right now. You can't do improv forever, okay? It just, it ends. Your 20s are all about hope, and then your 30s are all about realizing how dumb it was to hope. This is my room. Where you going? I'm like 40. I just turned 36. We would wear the same outfit. Everybody agrees. Being a professional. You gotta go.